It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Welcome to Under the Hood, the official podcast of the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. As we turn the calendar to February, a lot going on with the first place Indy Fuel as we begin to start peeking ahead to the home stretch of the season. It's going to be a busy month of February. Lots of games at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum for the first place Indy Fuel, who are 28, 12, and 2 through 42 games. And they have an eight point lead over the Cincinnati Cyclones and a nine point lead over the Toledo Walleye in the Central Division. Glad you've joined us on this edition of Under the Hood. Later on, you'll hear from a couple of really great guests, Fuel Defenseman Chris Cameron and our Blackhawks Night guest, Hockey Hall of Famer, three-time Stanley Cup champion Chris Chelios. Looking forward to those conversations coming up after a bit. But first, let's take a look at what's going on with this Fuel team. As we mentioned, they're in first place playing, again, solid hockey last weekend, they split three out of a possible six points, going one, one, and one with two games against Jacksonville and then a six to two victory Sunday in Kalamazoo to wrap up the weekend. And while I think the fuel were probably hoping for a little better results over the Friday and Saturday games against Jacksonville, the fact that if you're going to get a win out of the weekend, you want it to be in the division game. And that's certainly what happened is the fuel were dominant on Sunday against Kalamazoo. And on Friday night, the Fuel built an early lead of 3-1 to one, and then 4-2 to two when Keone Takshera scored. But Jacksonville scored late in the second to cut the lead to a goal, then tallied twice in the final eight minutes of the third period to win it 5-4. to four. On Saturday, the Fuel suffered their third straight home loss, although this one came in overtime, and this one came with the Fuel rallying from an early 3 to nothing deficit. Seamus Malone scored in the second period to draw the Fuel within two, and then early in the third, Keone Takshera got boarded hard. He left the game with an apparent injury, did not return. A major penalty and a game misconduct was assessed to Jacksonville's Easton Brodzinski on the play. The Fuel had a five-minute power play, and on a major power play, it does not expire when you score. And the Fuel, trailing 3-1 to one when the power play began, ended up leaving the power play, leading 4-3. to three. He feeds over right circle. Yetman across Kosmeski skates and shoots deflected wide. Here's a feed in front. Rose scores! Carson Rose with a power play goal! Draws the fuel within one. It's three to two. Good puck retrieval on the far side. A quick pass to Rose in the middle. Gets released back of the net. Power play goal for Carson Rose. And the fuel are within one and still have three minutes and 14 seconds of power play time. Forced wide. Parrot. Left circle. Luke Brown. Seam pass. Feed it in front, and the, it didn't connect. It comes to Brown. He scores! Luke Brown from a tough angle along the goal line. Caught Williams, leaving the near post open, and Brown goes high stick side on Charles Williams. 
And we're tied at three. Feeds it to Parrott. Right point. Backhand pass. Hillis right down the middle. Left circle. One-timer. Brown save. Rebound score. Seamus Malone picks up the loose change at the top of the crease. The Fuel have scored three times on the major. They lead it four to three. All three of those goals gave the Fuel a lead. And for the third straight game at home, the Fuel had a lead with 10 minutes to go in the third period. Unfortunately, the result was similar to the last two in that the Fuel surrendered the lead, but this time they didn't surrender it completely in regulation. Garrett Cockrell scored right after the expiry of a power play to tie the game for Jacksonville, and then the Fuel had to survive a siege in the last couple of minutes of regulation as Zach Driscoll came up big time and time again. Unfortunately, Jacksonville's Christopher Brown scored at 4.02 of overtime to give the Iceman a 5-4 victory, but the Fuel did get that all-important overtime point and salvage something out of the two-game set. The Fuel then traveled to Kalamazoo on Sunday, jumped out to a 4 to nothing lead by the midpoint of the game on a pair of goals from Andrew Ballant and a power play tally from Alex Weidman and the first of Luke Brown's two goals. Kalamazoo cut it to 4-1, to one, but Luke Brown scored again 27 seconds into the third. Seamus Malone added a shorthanded empty netter to give the Fuel a 6-2 victory. Cam Gray stopped 34 shots in the game. Seamus Malone had a goal and two assists. Blount and Brown with a pair of goals each. And Shane Kosmeski had a pair of assists in that victory. The Fuel's 28th of the year in 42 games. Well, there's going to be lots of opportunities to see this Fuel team coming up at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Is There's 30 games left, but 18 of them are going to be at home, and we'll tell you about those here coming up. But what about this Fuel squad as far as how deep they are right now? And, of course, one of them is not on the roster. Jan Mondat is headed back to the Czech Republic to finish out the season. But seven players with at least 10 goals on the year, eight players with at least 20 points through the midpoint of the season. That is just an insane amount of depth that you generally don't see at this level. Now, the Fuel have made a couple of moves this week. Mitchell Weeks was reassigned to the Fuel, so he returns from the Rockford Ice Hogs. And when he is in town, that often allows him to split games with Zach Driscoll. Zach Driscoll is among the leaders in minutes played among ECHL goaltenders right now. It has been very, very good. But now you can rotate your goaltenders a little bit more. And also, the Fuel made a couple of separate moves on Tuesday, January 31st. One, they traded Chris Van Shaw's rights to Wichita to complete the Luke Brown trade. And those were the further future considerations. Josh McDougal went over to Wichita earlier, and now the Van Shaw move to Wichita completes the future considerations owed to the Thunder and Certainly, we wish him well. He had 11 points, including a hat trick with the Fuel in 32 games and was a very good player, especially on the four check, especially retrieving pucks. And he'll fit in very well at Wichita and certainly wish him well. The Fuel also acquired the rights to Jared Thomas. Jared, of course, played the last two seasons for the Fuel, was traded to Norfolk in the offseason, 
and Jared has not played this year. His rights have been traded a number of times. He's been traded to Fort Wayne, been traded to Reading. The Fuel acquired his rights from the Reading Royals, and we'll see if they can sign him. And as of the time we are recording this, they have not. But if they can, that just bolsters an already really deep forward group. And that's the one thing about this squad right now. They're playing really shorthanded. Chase Lang has been out with an injury. Spencer Watson has missed the last four games with an injury. Keone Teixeira missed the last game with an injury as well. Cam Backer just returned to the lineup after missing a lot of time. And so they've been pretty depleted at times up front, especially and at times as well on the back end here the last few games. They've really not been able to play with a full lineup in quite some time. And so the potential of adding a guy like Jared Thomas, who loves it here, fits in very well here, knows the system, uh, could be an extra boost as he's another guy who's an elite playmaker at the ECHL level and could give the fuel another big scoring threat as well. So we'll see what happens with that. Of course, the fuel... Coming up this weekend, they will travel to Cincinnati to begin the fourth consecutive three and three, three games in three days weekend that they will have played. And then they'll return home Saturday and Sunday, February 4th and 5th to take on the Kansas City Mavericks. Saturday is always one of our great nights of the year. Hockey fights cancer night as we recognize the fight against all forms of cancer benefiting community health network. And $1 from each ticket that is purchased will go to Community Health Network and support those who are battling cancer. Sunday, we're going to continue that on February 5th with a 4 o'clock face-off as the Fuel take on the Mavericks again. We're going to be supporting Pajamin. It's our Pajamin Day, a family fun day, kids eat free day. Pajamin helps raise awareness for childhood cancer and provides free resources to cancer patients and their families. So wear your best PJs on Sunday and come out for a great afternoon with a family that ends with a post-game skate and the team, all while supporting a great cause. It's also a Kids Eat Free Day. And again, that's a 4 o'clock face-off on Sunday. That game moved back an hour from the originally scheduled 3 p.m. face-off. The scheduled games on March 26th against Kalamazoo and April 9th against Cincinnati, which were also originally scheduled for 3 o'clock face-offs, have also been moved to 4 o'clock. The one other Sunday home game on the schedule, April 2nd against Kalamazoo, had already been scheduled for a 5 o'clock face-off, so that will be the case and will remain the case. So those games coming up. Also, Friday, February 10th against Iowa is going to be Indy 500 night, as the Indy 500 champion Marcus Erickson is going to be our guest on Friday the 10th as the Fuel take on the Iowa Heartlanders, and we're going to be doing a lot of special things with our friends at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Friday, February 10th, including meeting Marcus Erickson, the Indy 500 champion. That will be Indy 500 night on the 10th. So lots of opportunities to see the fuel coming up and lots of opportunities to enjoy some of our great promotions as well. Let's meet our guests on this edition of Under the Hood. Our first guest has been an absolute mainstay with the Fuel the last couple of seasons, and that is defenseman Chris Cameron. Chris, this season has eight points and is plus six 
in 37 games, 89 penalty minutes. Last season, played 37 games, 6 points, was plus 11, 84 penalty minutes. He's a bit of the sheriff on the team, as he often will stand up and protect some guys, as he did the night that we had this conversation where he and Jacob Friend of Jacksonville got into a tremendous tussle, but also is an elite stay-at-home defenseman in our league, and he and Kirill Chayka have formed an outstanding shutdown pair. He's an alternate captain for the Fuel. He's in his second year as a pro, and it's finally for him an opportunity to play a full season. Last season, he missed a large amount of time with an illness and then some injuries, but finished the year really, really strong. The year before, did not play. It was the COVID year. A lot of people, of course, didn't play the year before that. So it's been great for Chris Cameron to play a full season so far and play very, very well for this Fuel squad. And here is that conversation with Indy Fuel defenseman and alternate captain Chris Cameron. About halfway through the season now, a little past the halfway mark, just describe how your year has gone and especially your second year in pro hockey and, and you know, how much your game has grown from last year to this year. Um, it's been awesome to be a part of this group. Like We certainly have a lot of talent in this room, and I know like anybody you talk to, that's what they'll say over and over, but really is the case. Um, playing with this team makes it easier for someone like myself, who's not necessarily the flashiest guy in the world, um, to chip in in ways to make us successful that are different from what we typically do. Like We have the goal scorers, mm-hmm. so it makes someone like myself maybe even a little bit more valuable playing hard defense, moving the puck up and getting to the forwards, and we just have a really good blend of uh, personnel here. It seems like this team is just built to play any style you want to play. If you want to play a game like last Friday night where it's more of a physical game, you guys can play that way. If you want to skate with with this team, you guys can play that way too. Is that nice to just be able to have the flexibility to be able to play pretty much any way you can? It's it's so nice. I mean, as you just said, we can play, I think we can play the fastest, not mm-hmm. just fast. I think we're faster than pretty much mm-hmm. everyone. Um, so we can play with speed. We have the talent to make plays off the rush. We also have guys that are really good with the vision and poise in the ozone to make plays uh, off the possession. And then, yeah, we everybody is also willing to buy in and be a little bit more hard-nosed when they have to be. And it's it's just a good balance for our, for our group. How special is it for you, especially as a second year pro, to be part of the leadership group of this team and to be uh, to have the opportunity to wear a letter on your jersey? Uh, it's been awesome, and uh, lots of thanks to Duncan for helping me get to that position where I can kind of mm-hmm. fall into a leadership role and feel comfortable mm-hmm. um, saying things to try to get get us on the right track. Uh, that's been awesome for me personally, obviously. Like, it, Not to make it all about me, but that helps my confidence, and then I play better, and we play better as a group. Um, and, you know, it is, it's, it's nice to be a part of the leadership group, if you will, but the, the beautiful thing about this team is we say it all the time. We have, I mean, at any given moment, there's 12 to 14 guys that can say something in the room, and everybody's going to be paying attention to what they have to say. It's not just like 
the three or four of us that are shouting all the time. It's a collective group of leaders, and we work really well together, and everyone handles the constructive criticism well, and it's been it's been a blessing for us so far. You're often paired with Kirill Chaika, especially those shifts late in the game where you're trying to protect a lead. You need that shutdown pair. How much do you relish that role of being that shutdown D, and how much chemistry do you two have with each other? Uh, Chikes and I have played together for quite a while now, actually. I mean, basically, yeah, at least for the second half of last mm-hmm. year when when we were both kind of in more regularly, mm-hmm. we started playing together. And then this year, as long as both of us are here and healthy, mm-hmm. it's been, for the most part, that's the pairing. So we've gotten to know each other really well, um, just like playing style-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for example, like he's when we go back to break the puck out, mm-hmm. he's the type of guy that likes to make like close slips mm-hmm. um, instead of stretching the ice. So I know that, and I can come support him, and vice versa. He knows that I like to try to make a direct pass to like mm-hmm. clear the ice and create space by maybe stretching it a little bit more, and he can support and fall under. And then yeah, as to circle back to the first part of the question, um, that's I mean I love 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 playing that role mm-hmm. on the team. Like I. I do cherish the opportunity to be out there with the last five, four, like well, however many minutes. That's I want. To, that's when I turn on, and I really want to be out there doing what I can for the team. I love to block shots and play hard, and I love to do it with Chikes, and I love to do it for this group too because it's it's really a special group of people. The role you have, part of your role, is standing up for your teammates, and you had to do that a couple times last week against Cincinnati. You've had to do that a few other times as well, and. How much, when you do that basically to stand up for somebody else, how much does that bring a group of guys together even more? Uh, it definitely helps. It's And that's, it's nice that everyone does appreciate it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if I was doing it and nobody really acknowledged it, then maybe it's selfish of me to say, but if nobody really acknowledged it, it would be like, oh, well, why did I, I step in and do that? Because it, it does, I mean, it doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Um but I mean, it's again. I, I don't mind doing it because I care about these guys, and if that's something that will spark us and help us and let everyone know that they are safe out there, I'm more than happy. And that's um, that's something that I like to bring to the table every night. You didn't get a chance to play at all during the COVID year last year. Ended up having to miss half the season because of an illness. How good has it been for you to be here, to be healthy, and be able to play what so far has been a full season? Yeah, it's been amazing. Um, as I touched on earlier, just building confidence, uh, going, knowing that you're going into every game to play play your best instead of coming to the rink like uh, either, as you mentioned, sick um, or wondering if you might be in the lineup because you're coming off an injury or something like that. It's, last year was tough to get my feet under me, um, but then towards the end of the season, started to build some confidence and now coming into this year like I've been able to keep it rolling the whole time because that's the most important part for me at least is being in a rhythm um, if you're two games on and then a game off and then maybe that game off means you don't play a game for like 10 days or something and then you go right back into the fire after 10 days it is it's tough to make those decisions and snap the puck around like you would like to be able to do if you're playing every game so when you had that illness you sat out for a number of games did you see something from the stands having to watch that really helped your game because it looked like your game really took off after you came back from that so yeah i I mean i missed i I missed almost about 20 games roughly um 
and that that sucked. But yeah. so towards at the beginning of that, I couldn't even get out of bed. But towards the end, when I was coming to watch games, um, I think the most the most important takeaway for me whenever I watch is that I, you, there's more time to make plays than you think you have. Like the ice is bigger than it seems like when you're out there flying around. In the moment, it's hard to separate yourself from it sometimes. But when you watch from above, you're like, oh, okay. If I were to just make three hard strides, or not even three hard strides, just one hard move uh, to my back end, that creates an extra 20 feet of space to make a play. Um, and then, so stuff like that, and then just generally having more confidence with the clock, like doing skill skills sessions with Duncan and um, all kinds of stuff has really helped me to transition into, I think, would be more of a, an effective uh, I mean, uh, the, the catch word is puck mover. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say puck mover, but um, I, I guess from my perspective, at least, I'm handling the puck a lot better than I was towards the beginning of last year. Uh, thanks, Chris. Good luck tonight. That's Chris Cameron, Indy Fuel defenseman. Our next guest probably needs no introduction. A member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, three-time Stanley Cup champion, legendary Chicago Blackhawk, also played with the Detroit Red Wings, for which he won a pair of Stanley Cups, Started his career with the Montreal Canadiens, with whom he also won a Stanley Cup. Finished his career with the Atlanta Thrashers. When he retired, he was the second oldest player to play in the National Hockey League and had played the second most number of games behind the great Gordie Howe. One of the greatest American-born players and certainly greatest American-born defensemen in the history of hockey and really just one of the best players and defensemen in the history of our great sport. He was our guest on Blackhawks Night, currently serving as an analyst with ESPN and an ambassador for the Chicago Blackhawks, Chris Chelios. Our first intermission guest tonight on Blackhawks Night is the Hockey Hall of Famer, three-time Stanley Cup champion, Chris Chelios. And Chris, you're part of our Blackhawks Night promotion, but you've been working as an ambassador for the Blackhawks. Just describe what it's been like for you to represent the Hawks and be able to do community events like this and, and, and greet fans on behalf of the Blackhawks. Yeah, I mean, really fortunate that I was able to go in a full circle, you know, throughout my career and then end up back. You know, in Chicago and working with the Blackhawks, as you mentioned, as an ambassador with Denny Savard now, but, mm-hmm. you know, my heroes growing up, Bobby Hall, Stan Makita, Tony Esposito. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, almost too good to be true. My daughter's doing the, the TV and radio with the Blackhawks, and that's been a lot of fun working with her. But, um, you know, the Blackhawks have done an amazing job from the, you know, since the John McDonough days and, you know, making it fan-friendly, marketing and, and going to events and junior games and, you know, growing the game and, uh, I don't have to tell the Indianapolis fans. I'm sure there's a ton of Blackhawk fans here that have made that road trip to see what they've accomplished over the past, you know, 15 years also winning the Cup. So um, very proud to be a part of it, and I'm looking forward to the game tonight. i got some history with this rink. Uh, played some exhibition games here with the Hawks, and uh, my son played here for the fuel, and uh, it's, it's a good old barn. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit different barn than uh, what you would have played in since it's been renovated. But uh, is it from your days, you played in the UHL during the lockout year, and then your sons played in this league. How important is the ECHL and, and the minor leagues to feeding the NHL team? Oh, I mean, as far as developing U.S. kids, you know, it's been around forever, and then, mm-hmm. you know, the USHL and. The, 
and all of the, you know, for the junior kids in, in these minor leagues. And every once in a while, even in the East Coast League, there's a guy that slips through the cracks and, you know, makes his way to the American League, and then all of a sudden he's in the NHL. So, you know, I, I took that path, you know, and it all started in junior for me and, and, and worked my way up. So it's, uh, it's very important, and I think the U.S. especially, we weren't developing, you know, players as much as we should have for the amount of guys that were playing in the NHL. So... Uh, the, the the Ann Arbor program is a, a mm-hmm. prime example of how serious you know Jimmy Johansson uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know took it and, and and basically turned our youth hockey and mm-hmm. and these we're just a feeding you know ground for all these teams throughout this league. When you grew up, there weren't as many opportunities. You grew up in the Chicago area, but I know you spent some time in high school in California as well. How much different is that now and the opportunities say your sons had to grow up and play and 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 grow and develop versus what you had growing up and, and developing as a, as a young player? Yeah, I mean, it all started, obviously, when Wayne Gretzky signed with the mm-hmm. Kings and the expansion teams and out west Anaheim and, you know, Colorado, and you never would have thought that it'd some eventually turn into hockey, you know, cities and winning Stanley Cups, Colorado, the Kings, you know, Anaheim. So um, it, it's real important. And then you see players now like Matthews. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, out of the ordinary to see a kid – you know, one of the best in the in the NHL to come from Phoenix. So it, that's where it starts, you know, when the, a team comes there and then a lot of the players end up staying, you know, where they played and coaching and, and, and helps that youth hockey. St. Louis is a mm-hmm. great example of, of the teams they come up with and uh, other cities are like that. But uh, it's great. And I think the guys, you know, give back to the game, a lot of the NHL players, and they understand what it, how important it is, you know, to grow the game and keep, you know, now that I'm with ESPN, mm-hmm. uh, it's a whole different game, and, you know, me and Messi are sometimes kind of sitting there, you know, thinking, what the heck's going on here, but it's a, it's exciting to see what these, you know, this new generation's doing. You played the early part of your career in Montreal, which is obviously a great hockey city, had a chance to win a Stanley Cup there. But how special was it to get traded back to Chicago where you had a chance to play in your hometown? Yeah, I mean, any other place I think I'd have been disappointed. But mm-hmm. the minute they told me Chicago, as, as bad as I wanted to you know, continue to play in Montreal, um, you know, again, it was gratifying for my, my friends you know, coaches, family, you know, I kind of disappeared off the face of the earth when I moved to to San Diego and really wasn't playing for two years, Mm -hmm. uh, any competitive hockey. And then all of a sudden, you know, all the Chicago people saw me surface with the 84 Olympic team. And then, you know, in a perfect world, I got drafted by the Blackhawks. It didn't happen. But, you know, when I got traded there, you know, moved my family back from California and it was, you know, not a whole lot of guys in the NHL and then ultimately become captain of uh, your home team, you know, hometown team was pretty special for me. And again, back back with the Hawks again, hopefully for good. And you mentioned you're working with Denny Savard. You were traded for each other right yeah. in that deal that brought you back. So uh, you get a chance to be on the same team here again. So Yeah, it's uh, funny. And then he actually came back to mm-hmm. Chicago and, and played a year or two with me. And we had you know a couple of good playoffs with Savvy. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Blackhawks, we, you know, we we're very close friends now. And mm-hmm. we, you know, go to pretty much every home game. Um, but he's a special guy, and he's a you know Chicago favorite. There's probably no one like him other than Bobby Hall, mm-hmm. uh, him and Kaner. You know that that, yeah. that could take you out of your seat. You know when you, when you're playing. And had it not been for Gretzky, I think or Howard Chuck, those guys overshadowing with especially Gretzky with the mm-hmm. teams they had in Edmonton. You know they pro- he probably would have had a few more cups that Saturday. Mm-hmm. 
playing in the Adams Division with the rivalries with with Quebec and yeah. and obviously Boston. Then going to the Norris Division and and how legendary that was again with the tight rivalries you had with St. Louis with Detroit and obviously you played on both sides of that rivalry with the Blackhawks and, and the Red Wings. What was that like playing in the '80s and '90s, especially with the way the rivalries were and the playoffs were at that time where you played your division teams through the first two rounds? Yeah, and, and you, you know, back everybody kind of tends to forget the season, regular mm-hmm. season. You're playing your division eight times, mm-hmm. so that's where you build up those rivalries, and then you go in the playoffs, and it's it's like war. So, uh, yeah, it, it was you know any team, mm-hmm. you know Minnesota. You mentioned Detroit. Uh, St. Louis, were, it didn't matter, and it, it was the same for the West and the, mm-hmm. you know and the East. So uh, yeah, it was, it was great. I think the fans loved it. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was great for hockey. And then you fast forward, you know, twenty something years, and that Detroit, Colorado. I think they just mm-hmm. had a documentary on that. You know, four or five years of uh, what they did, and mm-hmm. you know, nearly killed each other. So, um, but it's good for the fans, mm-hmm. and it's entertainment. No player in the National Hockey League has played more games than you, except Gordie Howe. Obviously, that's some pretty rarefied air to be in but what does it take to take care of your body to be able to play at a high level for as long as you did yeah i mean i think i was ahead of the curve when it started you know training i think you know, before most guys did a different type of training i similar to boxing it was circuit mm-hmm. training and i had the same trainer from 1993 you know right till i retired uh, and i had a regiment that i you know but a lot of guys you know caught up started working harder i think but the, the big thing was I got some pretty significant injuries uh, mm-hmm. during the course of my career, but the fact that the training helped me recover—nothing um, you could do sometimes to prevent, you know, so one hit could, you know, end it for you. So I was just lucky. Uh, it, was a, it was a key word too. I've been very fortunate uh, that I healed. You won a Stanley Cup early in your career. You won a couple later in your career. Did you fully appreciate what it meant? When you won in '86, versus uh, how special was it when you were able to win the two with Detroit? Yeah, I mean, my second year we win the cup. I go, geez, I'm gonna have a bunch of these cups by the time I'm done. And you, once you get used to winning, or, or you win, and you you expect to win. And I think it was like 17 years between mm-hmm. cups, the longest stint you know of anybody of anybody. But um, I appreciated it for sure. And I think that at that point, you know, being that young and uh, no family at that point, no mm-hmm. kids, so it was, you know, you'd share with your teammates, and then. You know, 17 years later, I have two sons that are old enough to understand and two daughters, mm-hmm. you know, what their father was doing and, and to want them in a championship and be a, a share that with your family. In 1996, you were part of the team that won the World Cup. Uh, and obviously the, the biggest win for USA hockey since 1980. For those of you, especially that are on the 84 team, all the pressure that was kind of put on you, probably unnecessarily because of what the guys that had done before you, how special was that to represent your country which you've done many many times and get a chance to win especially in canada yeah i mean they got bragging rights for mm-hmm. sure and we could talk all we want about how much we've developed and mm-hmm. you know that we're every bit as good but at the end of the day when it come time for the big games you know mm-hmm. i was always on the short end of the stick and mm-hmm. and like you mentioned winning it in canada mm-hmm. uh and I almost didn't play that tournament because of a shoulder injury. I thank my lucky stars that they still wanted me when the, mm-hmm. the games had started. But real special, and I actually just saw a picture of us mm-hmm. in Montreal with the, with the trophy. And it, it hasn't happened in the World mm-hmm. Cup, you know, as far as I'm concerned. It was called the Canada Cup before. Mm-hmm. That is, it's like the soccer. Mm-hmm. We just watched this previous you know, mm-hmm. World Cup there. I don't think I've ever seen a better game. And for me, that was one of the most enjoyable moments of my mm-hmm. you know, USA career. 
Uh, Chris, thank you so much for, for joining us. Enjoy the evening here in Indy. Thank you. Looking forward to it. It's Hockey Hall of Famer Chris Chelios, our guest on Blackhawks Night. We'll be back with second period action right after this. That's our conversation with Hockey Hall of Famer Chris Chelios. As we chatted before, Saturday's Blackhawks night as the Fuel took on the Jacksonville Icemen. And we thank Chris for joining us and thank the Blackhawks for teaming with us to put together such a great night. Jim Cornelison, of course, provided a great national anthem. And Chris Chelios did a tremendous job serving in a lot of roles blaring the siren before the third period. And I know he was very popular with the fans as well. A lot of people out to see him. And what a great job you fans are doing right now. Eight of the Fuel's last nine home games have seen crowds of 4,000 plus three times since Christmas. All three Saturday night games, we've seen crowds of 6,000 plus, including the two largest crowds in franchise history so far. And we're continuing to keep that momentum into the second half of the season. Get your tickets now for the upcoming games. Again, Saturday, February 4th, the Fuel taking on the Kansas City Mavericks for Hockey Fights Cancer Night. Sunday, February 5th, it's a 4 o'clock face-off for Pajamin Day. Kids Eat Free Day, a family fun day, also against the Mavericks. Friday, February 10th, it will be Indy 500 Night with Marcus Erickson against the Iowa Heartlanders, 7 o'clock face-off. Get your tickets now. Ticketmaster.com, the Indiana Farmers Coliseum box office. Call 317-925-FUEL or visit IndyFuelHockey.com for all your ticket information. Thanks to our guests, Chris Cameron and Chris Chelios. Thanks to you for listening. Until next time, this is Andrew Smith. We'll see you at the ring. Thanks for going under the hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, keep visiting IndyFuelHockey.com.